Thank you guys for tuning in to Rainbow Thoughts. This is your host, Tiara Scurry, and I am really excited about this podcast, so I am going to jump right in. Okay, so last week we discussed the effects of binge drinking on college campuses, and I really liked the feedback I got. I liked the interaction we had and the discussions and the comments. So this week I decided to pick something that was similar to last week, but I also wanted to switch gears a bit. So I want to make it really interesting, and I want to talk about something that I call um, the evolution of gray. And the evolution of gray doesn't have like one specific meaning. It's honestly up to your interpretation of what you think it means. But the best way I can describe it is to see the whole point of view of something and to not go too white or too black, but to sit in the gray and the grunge of it and to understand both sides and to have point of view that is in the middle. But it's more about having a complete understanding of things that can't be white and can't be black, but they're gray. So this semester, I actually took um, a prejudice and discrimination and morality course, and it really forced me to say in that gray or to understand that there's problems that are gray, that isn't just black and white. There isn't one true way to resolve these problems, but just the fact that we know that these problems are occurring is is good and that's progress, even though there isn't any specific way that we can actually fix these problems. So I want to incorporate what I learned this semester along with thoughts that I already have had and thoughts that honestly was sparked up by having this class and talking about issues that we don't really talk about, that we need to talk about, that I know are present, but I forget if it's not taught to me in class or if I'm not reading up about it every single day. It's things that are really important that everyday person will miss and is missing if we don't pay attention to it. So yeah, and I'm excited. So here we go. So the text that I want to talk about in this podcast is The Big Short by Michael Lewis, The Fire Next Time and I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin, Letter from Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King Jr., and On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder. And along with these texts, we were also assigned um, numerous podcasts that some of them have to do with some of the um, texts that we're reading. So I will be um, saying some podcasts that help me understand the author's bigger picture and help me just understand the text in its entirety. So the first one that I actually want to talk about is the big short because I feel like this is a good example of what I'm trying to get at and it's can serve as my base for this podcast. So the big short was a book about the mortgage crash of in the early 2000s and how the mortgage like the mortgage crisis And it's funny because I know nothing about mortgage. I know nothing about this crash. I had no idea that this actually happened. And it's a true story. So I'm like, wow, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I know Ryan Gosling. I know Steve Carell. But I had no idea they starred in this movie. I just didn't know it was a thing. So it was a really good wake-up call for me. I learned a lot about mortgages and how there's a bubble and these risks and bonds and all that jazz. But... What I really like about this book is that it really does highlight an issue that is like the biggest issue of all. Because there are so many issues. There are so many problems. But the biggest problem is that no one is paying attention. 
And this is like revel like this is relevant in like almost every single text that we were given this semester that no one is paying attention. And a quote from this book is actually a few outsiders and weirdos who saw what no one else could see. And that's what it is. <laughs> we spent a whole semester being those weirdos and outsiders that was reading these texts and getting into it and interpreting it just to see what no one else was seeing. Because these texts are strong. They, they mean something. They're saying something. And it's really, really sad, honestly, because I'm actually very passionate about these things that we were talking about. But I wouldn't honestly even thought about this if I haven't even taken this class. So I really like the Big Short and I like that it does serve as my base for this podcast because it really does show you how being distracted could really be detrimental to your status and the world and everyone's situation. And um, the podcast that was assigned with this one, it's The Funny or Die by Adam McKay, really did a good job of just further um, giving us insight on the reasons for this film and why they picked it and then picking such a foreign language to the average American and then putting it in a way for everyone to understand and actually putting a concept that's kind of boring into this funny, entertaining movie. And it actually was funny and entertaining and I really did enjoy myself and I really did enjoy how they took this issue but really highlighted and did a really good job of highlighting the biggest issue is that no one's paying attention to what is right in front of their faces and that's why I picked this one as the first one to talk about okay so now I want to talk about James Baldwin and I don't have favorites but honestly he literally is my favorite author out of all these authors I don't know I just love the way he like writes like he can I can read something he writes and I can just get it like he can say one sentence and I can get so much I can get a paragraph from just one sentence of his writing so I just like fell in love with his texts and again it means something it's so strong and like ah, like it is he was paying attention he was simply paying attention and he can write about it and it's just amazing so the one that I want to talk about first is the I'm Not Your Negro, and he actually tells the story of America through the lives of three friends that actually got murdered, Medgar Evans, Michael, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., which I'm actually going to talk about later on, but it was just a very interesting take on that time and the struggles about that time and understanding that this situation, racism and segregation was gray. It is not a black or white situation. I, I don't think the issue, it does ironically like surround the idea of black people versus white people, but it's a gray situation. There is no one true way to do this. There is no one true way to understand this, and there is no one true way to like go through this and to react to this stuff. And I think it's interesting of him going through these different people because Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Medgar Evans all had different ways of sitting in that gray. And it's interesting. There's no right way. And understanding these people and understanding what they meant, you understood why they took that approach of that color of gray or that shade of gray. Because it was that type of situation. There was no right or wrong way to do things. And I think 
And it's way, honestly, James Baldwin is right with him. It's actually four ways. And I think his way was really getting to the bottom of it and understanding that there is no way for us to get like the freedom and the respect that we earn and that we deserve unless the um, people who hold the power respects themselves and gets to that point. So basically it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game for us to be strong and to always love the other who's actually hurting us because we both cannot exist without each other. And that's crazy. And I've never even thought of it that way. I've never even seen it that way. But it makes sense. But it also can leave so much like frustration and doubt and gray. Because <laughs> there's nothing you can really... Okay, there's, there's stuff you can do. But there's really nothing you can really do about it. You just have to wait for the other person to see. And it's true. We do need each other. And it makes total sense. But it's just that middle that literally makes this writing and sets it on fire and just something everyone should read and it's crazy how he was just paying attention he was paying attention he could formulate his experience into this text that means so much so yeah and his other one the fire next time was about two kind of like letters not really poems but letters one was my dungeon shook and the other one was called um, Down at the Cross. And my dungeon shook, honestly, I don't have favorites again, but that this is my fan fave. Like this, this literally like shed a tear in my eye. It was a letter to his nephew about honestly being a black man and living in this world where the black man does not exist. And that is so, that just resounds with me. It really resounds with me because Again, you forget. And it's just amazing to see how alert James Baldwin was and how present he was and how much he was paying attention and how much a loser he was and how much of an outcast he was because he literally, like, everything was on the paper. Everything. It's beautiful. His words are beautiful. Um, Some things he said is that... um, Heaven and earth are shaken to their foundations. Those innocents who believe that your imprisonment made them safe are losing their grasp of reality. But these men are your brothers, your lost young brothers. It's really strong and very vulnerable of him to say that and actually mean it. Like, he actually means that. The people that are actually making his life hell are the people that he loves the most. And the people that he has to love the most because... He can't get through this, and they can't get through this without us, without him, without everyone being together. And it's just, it's beautiful. And Down at the Cross was also very beautiful because you really got to see, like, it's, I think it's honestly more personal. And, like, we had a discussion in class that, like, talked about which one was personal. And I honestly think Down at the Cross is way more personal than the other one because it was guided to his nephew. It was guided on his experience, but also... It was like icing over what his nephew's experience would be, experience of his grandfather. But down at the cross was a little deep. It was deeper. It really focused on him and his his evolution through Gray. Honestly, his evolution through Gray and his evolution of 
understanding and knowing his place in this world and what that meant. But knowing what that meant and finding ways to try to get through it. And he found, tried to find that way through the church. And then he realized, realized that the church wasn't for him. And he found that way through writing, honestly. He found it through writing. But it's just interesting just to see all this unform and to like really like turn to something that's like so interesting. Another quote that um from the second one is why people in this country will have quite enough to do in learning how to accept and love themselves and each other. And when they achieve this, the Negro problem will no longer exist. And that is the most vulnerable thing I think I've literally ever read. And it's it's crazy. And this literally led me to my evolution of gray because I don't like sitting in things. I don't like, like, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. Like, I want to fix it myself. But to understand that the problem is there, but there's really, what you can do is just to be strong and to always give out love to something that is hard to love. It's it's crazy. And wow. And it just takes a lot of understanding. It takes a lot of paying attention. It takes a lot of thought and vulnerability and strength to really, like, really mean that and really rely on someone else to gain the understanding and the self-love from themselves to set you free. I think that's crazy. I think that's really strong and it's really moving. And it's like the big short, honestly. It's highlighting the things that we aren't paying attention to. And so people can read this book and they read his books and not understand it at all. And I think it's crazy it's just gotta there's so many distractions like we're not talking about this every single day we're not seeing how this affects us and seeing the pattern and understanding it yeah I can go on for days about James Baldwin but I am actually going to switch gears and I want to talk about um one second I want to talk about the letter from Birmingham jail right now and that was very interesting because, obviously, like I, I feel like out of all these, we are more educated on Martin Luther King than anyone else. And I knew a lot of Martin Luther King, but I've never like read anything like from him. If that made sense, like I know like he like, the I had a dream speech, but I like that's all we know. Like we know that I know like some songs from that time, but I don't really know like never read anything in like lengthy about Martin Luther King or what he was going through. But also it's like the same type of thought, the same type of Okay, so like to start this, I'm just gonna read a quote um from the Birmingham letter. And it says, just as Socrates felt that it was necessary to create a tension in the mind so that individuals could rise from the bondage of myths and half-truths to the unfettered realm of creative analysis and objective appraisal, so must we see the need for nonviolent gadfiles to create the kind of tension in society that will help men rise from the dark depths of their prejudice and racism to the majestic heights of understanding and brotherhood. Wow. It sounds like Baldwin too. It really does. It's the same type of same type of meaning. And I like that I'm talking about Martin Luther King because out of those three, Martin Luther King is the most known. And I think 
what made him like not stick out more than the others but I think his take on not fighting with violence was more vulnerable than using violence because I think he understood it was understanding among all of them obviously but the understanding that it was them and they needed to get to a point and what we needed to do was literally stand there with our arms open ready for them to come to us when they've gotten to that point and it's just so it's so interesting and it's so interesting to have these people that fought for this cause that was so one-sided but they saw it they they saw the gray and they understood that this is, wasn't a black or white problem it, it that wasn't the problem at all wow it's crazy Just reading some of the stuff I had. Uh, something else I want to read from here is the, um, it was practiced superbly by the early Christians who are willing to face hungry lions and the excruciating pain of chopping blocks rather than submit to certain unjust laws of the Roman Empire. To a degree, academic freedom is a reality today because Socrates practiced civil disobedience. In our own nation, the Boston Tea Party represented a massive act of civil disobedience. We should never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was legal, and everything the Hungarian freedom fighters did in Hungary was illegal. It was illegal to aid and comfort a Jew in Hitler's Germany. Even so, I am sure that had I lived in Germany at the time, I would have aided and comforted my Jewish brothers. If today I lived in a communist country where certain principles dear to the Christian faith are suppressed, I would openly advocate disobeying that country anti-religious laws. Yeah, I I like that we um, focused on works from Martin Luther King Jr. because it actually made um, Baldwin's piece stronger and they actually connected. And I liked how um, even though Martin Luther King was didn't use violence in his um, teachings, he did a really good job of showing that resilience that we need and that and that fight for something that needs to be fought for, um, a quote that he has, that he says is injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And that ties everything together. That's another, like, um, theme. That's, yeah, it's another theme that all of these texts all have in common because corruptness in one place is corruptness for everyone. And the big short, corruptness and the mortgages, was a corruption for everyone because it ended up affecting every single person involved. That wasn't even involved, but involved in the bigger picture, not just that section. And in Baldwin, it's the same thing, injustice. And for us, and for them, and how they feel about themselves, is injustice for us. Like we have to suffer because it's everywhere. It's in one spot, but it affects everything. And the same thing with the Martin Luther King speech. It's the same, same type of stuff, and it was really interesting to read about him and to further my understanding and further um, my understanding of what he meant and what he stood for. It's very interesting. So the last thing I want to talk about is um, On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder, and this is actually really good that I'm talking about it last because it really does a good job of 
putting this all together and wrapping up in a little present with a little bow. So, what I like the most about this book is that it exposes how vulnerable our system is. And I love this because he simply was paying attention. And it's crazy because it does talk about Trump. It does talk about the election and everything. But this is not an attack on Trump. And we did have an exercise on this in class. And it is not an attack on Trump. It is, it's not. It's an attack on how vulnerable of a system we have and how no one's paying attention. And it's scary. It's really scary. And he uses these 20 lessons to help people um, um, realize the dangerousness of, of this. And it's pronounced tyranny, but I, for some reason, I call it tyranny. But it's tyranny, actually. And it's just crazy. And I don't know, this serves as, like, the ending thing I want to talk about because... It's present day. This, a lot of the texts here are, it, okay, it all really, like, it applies to present day, but this actually is happening right now. It's happening right now, and this is just a little pee of what the problem is. It's that all this stuff is happening, and it's right in front of our eyes, and we are not paying attention. And thank God that he, like, made this book. Thank God that people are actually reading it, and thank God <laughs> that, like, we're not alone. Like, wherever is like understanding that there's some issues, like they're not alone. And I think people do know what they're doing. And I think the same thing relating it back to the big short, I think there's people who know these loopholes that are exploiting it and exploiting the common American who simply is not paying attention. Simple. Simply not paying attention. And he talks about like the problem with us is that we don't think that history can repeat itself. And that is so true and that's so spot on because it is repeating itself and we think history is over. But no, it can and it will. And we put so much faith and so much loyalty into our government and to rules and laws. But it's not what it think Like, it's not what you think it is. It's never what it seems. And it's crazy because it is a corrupt. And that's another thing that made me so frustrated to realize that this situation is gray there is no right or wrong way I guess the only right thing you can do is to simply pay attention to it but uh, there's no way to fight this there's really no way to really take it it's just baby steps it's baby steps and it's just just starting with the concrete base and understanding that hey this exists so that's really, oh, and also um, there was a podcast. Actually, I actually enjoyed the podcast of the On Tyranny better than the book because I feel like the podcast did a really good job of just keening in on, like, the important issues of the books and really keened in on, like, the relationship to Trump and the relationship to the loophole of, the, um, of our society. Because I think the whole main gist of this whole thing is to see this loophole that exists that people are finding and people are using to exploit other people. So, um, yeah, so now I just want to talk about something that I gathered from all of this and I describe it as an elephant. <laughs> I'm going to read something that I wrote earlier um, about this when I was um, deciding like what I was going to write and what I was going to say. And it's kind of like a poem, but it's kind of just like 
written speech. And it's called Elephant. <laughs> so it is, um, it was the understanding that these issues followed me when I left this classroom. It was the understanding that there was an elephant not only in one room, but in all the rooms. But also the understanding that the same elephant was present in my mind, and others' minds. But some people didn't have an elephant. And some people may see the elephants in the room, but do not feel it in their minds. So the question is, where is the elephant? Or in other words, who are the losers? And who is simply paying attention? Understanding how to move past the elephant. Not neglecting the elephant, but having it present and understanding the gray and the evolution of gray. As far as my career, because um, another part of this assignment was to connect it to something like your major or um, something like you want to do when you get older or something like that. So I'm, as far as my career, I have no idea what I want to do. I have paths. I know the gist of what I want to do, but I know that I do want to be a loser. <laughs> I do want to be an outsider and I don't want to be a sheep following the other sheep. That's not me. That's not what I want. And I really wanted to talk about this elephant because it's true and it's it was really interesting for me. The semester wasn't the best semester ever and it was really great that I had this class because it was a bigger picture of everything. It was a bigger picture of having this elephant in this room and knowing it and now since I know it's there I can't neglect it. I can't go back to being ignorant to the fact that there's an elephant in the room but not wishing it to go away but learning to live with it and learning it to have it in your room and learning that, hey, um, at least I know it's there. And I think that is part of living in the gray. And that's part of this whole podcast is just to learn to live in this evolution of gray and knowing that there is no right or wrong way to go about these issues and knowing that there isn't one thing or amount of time to get through these issues takes time it's not a quick fix and all these texts really did a really good job of explaining how it's not a quick fix quick fix and explaining how like difficult and confusing and hard and vulnerable you have to be and how open mind you have to be to understand these texts and really to get what they're trying to say because they all are trying to say something and at and at the end of the day they're all trying to say the same thing we're not paying attention and this is really it this is my podcast and I hope you guys like this it's a little bit different from the binge drinking on college campuses but I hope you guys really this resonated with you and I know um a lot of this was a lot of like pauses of me trying to catch my thoughts but I feel like this is a type of situation where I can't just read what I've already written off of a piece of paper um I gotta take time to think about what I'm trying to say and I don't know I feel like it will speak more that way and will resonate more with you guys than me just reading stuff off of a piece of paper yeah so um tell me guys what you what you thought and your comments and discussions and I'm really happy to see this, and I'm really excited to see what you guys thought, because I was really excited about this podcast and about the issues um, present in it. So that's really it, and I'm going to sign off, and I will see you guys all next week.
Thank you.